1: The term initiation has not been well understood, especially in the West. According to the dictionary definition, initiation pertains to formal admission or acceptance into an organization or club, adult status in one's community or society, etc., This relates to ceremonies, rites of admission, rites of passage. You may be familiar with Judaism, bar mitzvahs, quinceaneras, ages in which youth come into adulthood, or certain groups like the Masons who would initiate a student into their order in order to become a member, an aspirant, of the path, but more formally, these terms do not adequately represent the reality of initiation itself. In fact, initiation means to begin, to initiate, and as we find in this beautiful image, a knight being knighted by a beautiful female figure represents the reality of spiritual initiation. This woman is known amongst the Hebraic Kabbalists, the mystics of Judaism as Neshama, the divine soul, which represents a part of us. Some People call it gibberah, strength, justice. And the human counterpart, known as Tifereth in the Kabbalah, which is will, the will to change. Really, a representation of us, human soul, consciousness, that part of us that needs to work in order to be initiated, in order to enter those divine hierarchies among the gods. And this is, of course, a very personal work. It doesn't mean that in order to be coronated by this divine figure, that we need to belong to a group because real initiation is our life. It is what we do in our daily work upon ourselves, the work upon our mind, our faults. And so this beautiful divine soul, which is usually represented as a feminine principle, is honoring the hero. And who is that hero? It has to be us, because in reality, in our life, we face many hardships, many sufferings, many conflicts, tragedies, pains. And if any one of us is attending a group of this nature, it's because deep down in our heart, we have a longing to know divinity and to enter initiation, to initiate the entrance The door into true happiness, known by all of those beings known as angels, prophets, Buddhas, Elohim, gods. Those beings like Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, Moses were once like us. And they decided that in order to genuinely no divinity. They had to work. They had to renounce their faults. Anger, resentment, pride, fear, hatred. And by removing those qualities in themselves, they initiated a new way of life. Because among the gods, there is no anger. There is no fear. There is no suffering. But To reach those heights, they had to change. They had to renounce those qualities in themselves that produced their pain. It made others suffer. And so those beings taught humanity through religion, through yoga, how to enter that path, which is never easy. Because if we wish to be honored by divinity, we first have to face great trials. We have to become heroes. It is heroic to change and to face and take responsibility for our own faults, our own anger, our own lust, our own faults, errors, to take responsibility for our own life, not to blame others, but to change what we can change. And by eliminating our own anger and defects, we naturally irradiate light, beauty, compassion. And that is how we become like this knight who is initiated not by some external force, but by his own divine soul, the divine principle of Geburah. Because in the mysticism of Judaism, Kabbalah, This woman, or this figure of justice, represents the law of divinity, the law of balance. There are causes and conditions that can produce suffering. And there are the causes and conditions that produce happiness. And divinity weighs the scales. But we determine what coins we place on either end, whether for good or for ill. And therefore that law, Naturally gives unto us what we have earned. So we cannot blame others for our suffering. We have to balance the scales. This is known in the East as karma. Or in the Bible, there is a statement Do you not know that you shall reap what you sow? We receive the consequences of our own actions. And so we must learn to balance this scale in ourselves. And before the divine hierarchies of this law of karma, we learn to cancel suffering. We learn to pay our debts, whether from this life or if we've studied the doctrine of reincarnation from other lives. And this is not something theoretical. It's something conscious when we experience it. Personally, I do not believe in reincarnation. I know of it because I've meditated and I've awakened in the astral plane and investigated these things for myself, knowing where I come from and why I'm in the situation that I am now. So this is how we really know initiation. It has nothing to do with reading a book, attending a lecture, or believing in a scripture, it has to do with what we experience. And so we can become like this hero to initiate, to enter those degrees of knowledge through experience. Which is why Samayan and Veora, the founder of the modern Gnostic tradition, stated, initiation is life itself, lived intensely with rectitude, and with love. Our life can become like a beautiful rose, immaculate, with the fragrance of God, a purity that is so refined and strong that in the face of any adversity, we can transform conflict, remediate disagreements, and transform our life into something beautiful. But of course, we have to face the thorns, as the allegory goes. And that has to do with our own personal path, because initiation is individual to you. Your life is unique, and your karma is unique, and your sufferings are unique. And the way that you resolve them depends upon your inner divinity which is also unique to you. We do this path by living intensely. Doesn't mean to become a daredevil, but what it means is that our consciousness is so awake, is so heightened that we learn to become aware of any situation and all the minute details, all of its struggles so that we can transform it profoundly and to live with rectitude, ethics. And these ethics are within any religion. Compassion, kindness, altruism, love, sacrifice. But not as a moral code to believe in, but as a quality of mind. As our former lecturer mentioned in the previous discussion in this course, the preparation for initiation is based on the quality of our heart, our heart is what determines whether we will enter and be among the angels or to be among the fallen. So those are the two ways we learn to enter this path through love. Really, when we love humanity and love others more than we love ourselves, because that is how we become someone like Jesus, who his whole life was based on the well-being of others. Even when he was being nailed to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Truly, Jesus of Nazareth represents the highest ideals an initiate can embody. And in fact, he is the patriarch of the Gnostic church, He is the head of the cosmic hierarchies of the the divine. And we find in his life represented the path of initiation itself, which he was the only one to physically represent that drama in flesh and bone. Where you find in his birth, ministry, passion, crucifixion, resurrection, a teaching about our own individual nature. While he physically lived these things, his life is a representation of what we have to follow in us. And in this course, we're going to discuss what those stages are in depth. But primarily, he represented a type of will that any initiate needs in order to really be successful. Because of course, we find in his life tremendous conflict Tremendous struggle. People against him being betrayed. And that has to do with the fact that anyone who enters initiation has to pay all of their karma in one life. They have to pay everything that they owe. And because they love divinity so much, they do it gladly. Even though it means that their life will be intense. Intense but they do it with compassion. And that willpower is known as talesis. It's a Greek term meaning perfection or progress that is intelligently planned and directed. So as we've read the Gospels, we find that Jesus, his life on his path was intelligently planned by divinity. Or in Kabbalah, Keter, the Father and we all have our own inner Father inside who intelligently plans and directs the course of our life, or an individual path. But of course, we have to do our part. We have our own will that can either follow heaven above or our own inner hell below. It is also the attainment of a desired end by the application of intelligent effort. It is the will of Christ incarnated in a human being. And that Christic force is not a person, but an energy which we work with. So we learn to attain the end of initiation by applying certain practices and techniques on a daily basis so that we transform our situations, which are intense, full of suffering, into understanding. And when we have understanding, we have peace to pay what we owe, but to do so with wisdom and not to merely go through the sufferings of life, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, according to Shakespeare's Hamlet, but to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them. And that is how we enter amongst the gods, represented in many cosmogonies and, and paintings, as the illuminated masters, or angels, ascending and ascending up into the unknowable divine. I remember one experience many years ago, in which I invoked in the astral plane, Samael Unveor, who was a great prophet, a master of our tradition. I looked up in the sky in the astral plane and I started to call, in the name of Christ, by the power of Christ, for the glory of Christ. And when you pronounce these sacred mantras or invocations or prayers, suddenly I saw the clouds and the atmosphere open and I saw this image, immaculate light. And I saw millions of angels moving and looking down at me With a lot of sympathy and compassion so i said samael and veor and i invoked him he came down and if you've seen his pictures such as on the internet from his times in mexico he came down and was teaching me many things was helping me and he had a lot of compassion for me because i was suffering a lot in my work i said to him i'm having difficulty in my path And he simply said, very sweetly and but strong, but there is always difficulty. And I returned to my body. So he was teaching me, you wish to become and perfect yourself as an initiate. You have to remember that this path is not like what religion teaches, that you simply believe, belong to a church, mosque, or synagogue, say your prayers, go to bed, and then you'll be fine when you die. That has nothing to do with reality. In fact, initiation is earned. We do it by working with telesis, with will. And so this is the hidden wisdom within any religion that has not been taught openly. We speak wisdom, Sophia, among them that are perfect, teleos, because through divine will, human effort, we become perfected. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God and a mystery, mysterion, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. This is from Paul of Tarsus in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. Paul of Tarsus was a great initiate who taught in his scriptures the symbolic language of Kabbalah. So what does it mean to be entering into the mysteries? Mysterion, from the Greek mystikos, meaning initiate. ma'in, the root word, meaning to close the eyes to illusion, in order to see internally. It means to become a practical meditator. We physically close our eyes, we go into our mind. We examine the qualities of our heart. We work on what we have observed in ourselves, our faults throughout the day. And then at night, we work consciously to understand our defects, which we call, in this tradition, ego. But in the Bible, they call it shaitan, the devil. Our own anger, fear, lust, hatred, pride, laziness, is demonic. It does not belong to God. Therefore, we have to eliminate all of it. But we do it by closing our eyes to illusion. It doesn't mean to close one's eyes as if one is being naive or manipulative or to be manipulated. Instead, it has to do with learning the science of meditation itself so that we can have experiences like this in which you are face-to-face with God and you can receive help about your work. And so this is the hidden wisdom, apokrypto, from the Greek, reminding us of apocalypse. And if you're familiar with the book of Revelations, it's a very controversial text written in the language of Kabbalah. It's symbolic. If you want to have revelations of divine experience in yourself, you need to face great ordeals because Revelations is all about cataclysms, tremendous suffering, conflict. But it has nothing to do, in the most important sense, with what's going to happen to this physical world. That's one level of meaning. More importantly, it refers to, as we're entering initiation, we have to face our own apocalypse where we face moments of crisis in which we are tested to the extreme. We have the decision, will we act virtuously or selfishly? And how we act determines our trajectory, which is why we examine two forms of initiation. This is a painting by Hans Membling, The Last Judgment, in which you see Jesus with his right hand up in the form of the pentagram, three fingers up, two fingers down, which is a Gnostic symbol. Beautiful rib above his hand. And towards his right, we find many initiates entering into the temples of the Mysteries, entering into the, the White Lodge. The White Lodge is a term used by some island Vior to refer to the hierarchies of the divine. It refers to the purity of the soul. And on the left of Jesus, we find he has a sword levitating towards his left and his hand extending downward to reject the tenebrous or the initiates of the black path. It's important to remember that white and black has to do with initiation, and that there are many people of many races in the White Lodge. There are many people of many races in the Black Lodge. White and black has to do with the quality of the soul. Physicality has nothing to do with initiation. And so we have the angel Michael weighing the scales of cosmic justice in which the souls are evaluated, whether they will enter into happiness and bliss or they will enter into suffering. So many religions talk about hell, damnation, heaven, in a very tyrannical, fearful way. It's better to think of these things not as places, but as qualities of the heart. When we are afflicted with anger, with pride, with sarcasm, we are in hell. And if we feed those elements, we initiate ourselves in hell and we develop further and further as a demon. So what is a demon? People like to think of this caricature of a person with horns, long tail, wings, somebody who disobeyed God many centuries or many millennia ago. As a type of comic book figure, which has no basis in reality. That's a symbol of, as we see in this image, these are symbols of qualities of the soul and all of our defects, which we find represented by all these evil qualities like jealousy, lust, desire. But on the right, or towards the right of Jesus, our left, we have St. Peter initiating those souls into a better way of life, a superior way of life, which is based upon and predicated on virtue. Notice that he has the keys of heaven in his hand, silver, gold, and we'll talk more explicitly about these symbols. These silver and gold keys represent alchemy among some traditions. The work with the stone of Peter, patar, or the work with energy, silver, feminine, gold, masculine. And we'll talk about this specifically in relation to the perfect matrimony, which is a book that Salman Vior wrote that clarifies these symbols. So we can either become initiated into the divine hierarchy or as a demon. And what most people talk about in this time when they say, join our group, we'll initiate you, has to do with the black path, the negative path. Because while those schools may teach about purity of mind, love, and brotherhood, we find that through their actions, their behavior, their character, shows everything. How many times have we heard of groups speak of beauty and harmony in which they excommunicate their members, curse their members, betray their members? And this is very common. You find this in many groups not only in many world religions, but esoteric groups. Even in Gnosis, too. It's sad, but we have to remember that initiation is our own character, our life, what we do on a daily basis. Which is why John Milton and his epic poem, Paradise Lost, explain these principles. He was an initiate who taught about these truths in his poem, in his works. Many people love, and sadly, they don't renounce their own causes of suffering, which is pride, hatred, defects. People love to feed animality, violence, alcoholism, drug addiction, qualities that perpetuate suffering. And you find that many aspects of our culture, North America, which is infecting the whole planet, is addicted to behaviors that cause pain. And it's sad, people make a heaven of hell. They justify lust, pornography, elements that produce a lot of conflict and degeneration. And this is how people are initiating themselves as a planet into the black path, into hell into the infernal dimensions, which is why Milton, knowing this truth, stated through the lips of his character, Lucifer, who was the angel that fell from heaven and became the head of the the Black Lodge, he states, the mind is its own place, and in itself can make a heaven of hell, a hell of heaven. And unfortunately, when the qualities that are needed to enter initiation are taught, people hate it. People do not like virtue. Compassion is not rewarded in this era. Kindness is looked down upon as a weakness. And so people make a heaven of hell, a hell of heaven. What matter where, if I be still the same, and what I should be but all but less than he whom thunder hath made greater. So he's contemplating, what will I be now that I'm fallen? And he's referring to the divine who exiled him from heaven for his transgression. Here at least we shall be free, meaning in hell, in the infernal dimensions. The Almighty have not built here The abyss for his envy will not drive us hence. Here we may reign secure, and in my choice to reign is worth worth ambition though in hell. Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. This is the mentality of advertisement, politics, government. People think that they can behave as if there is no divinity watching. People justifying extortion, crime, sexual degeneration, poverty, affliction, all the problems that afflict this country, humanity, this planet. People justify the worst crimes in the penal code, in the human rights codes. All because, they say, is it not better that we reign in hell than serve in heaven? Because, as Paul Tarsus stated, or I believe uh, one of the initiates of the Bible stated in one of the books how the initiates of the white path are looked down upon as if they are weak because it seems that the devil has more power. So this is the mentality of many people. They feel that there's no consequence. We find this parallel in the story of Diogenes and Alexander the Great. Diogenes is a very interesting figure in Greek philosophy. He was known as the cynic, the doubter. He was known to live in a barrel, was a beggar, and lived away from society primarily because of this reason. He felt that the society around him was degenerated, was evil, and therefore he chose to live away from cities, culture, and all the means by which people perpetuate false ideals. Samael Vior mentioned that Diogenes was a great master. He would walk around the daytime with a lamp, a symbol, going door to door asking people if he could find a man. And when, obviously, people in the house would say, yes, we, there are many men around in the city, Diogenes would say, no, these are not men. These are pigs, vulgar creatures. And so, obviously, he made many enemies. People didn't understand that he was looking for a real hum, man. From the Sanskrit, hum, spirit, and man, or manas, mind. A real human is a man or individual, man or woman, a mind of a spirit that emulates qualities like that of Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, etc. So Diogenes was saying, I'm looking for an initiate, but I don't see any here. And so obviously he was creating many problems for the people around him because he was very radical and was making a statement and symbolically represented through his life these truths. There is one moment mentioned in his history where Alexander the Great came to him and saw him lying in agony underneath the sun and asked him kindly, is there anything I can do for you? Diogenes very curtly stated, dismissively, you can get out of the way of my son. You're blocking the light. Alexander the Great was so shocked that he had no other choice but to walk away. And who else could have that type of power to dismiss a person who owned half, pretty much the whole half the world in power Isn't an initiate because he demonstrated through his quality of heart, not his physical, material life, where real virtue is. So Diogenes was poor, physically had nothing but his heart was in God. And Alexander the Great had all the materialism in life of this world, but no soul. This is why Homer stated, it is better to be a beggar on earth than a king in the empire of shadows. He was the author or originator of the Iliad and the Odyssey. So Diogenes represents a symbol known in the tarot, the ninth conum, the ninth law, as the hermit, a wandering beggar, one who is in solitude. That hermit is an initiate, somebody who works with the staff of the spine in the lamp of wisdom. So Diogenes literally was representing in his life, choosing to live in poverty, to show a truth, sacrificing everything to teach something symbolically for us, for people who would understand it at a later date. So that lamp of wisdom is the lamp of hermetic science, which relates to the god Hermes, or Mercury, within the tradition of alchemy. Hermes refers to being hermetically sealed, and that has to do with saving energy. And the basis of that is, we save energy when we, we renounce defects, anger, lust, pride, etc. Because if we act on anger, we waste energy. And if we have no energy, we cannot awaken consciousness. So that is the beginning of initiation. We work on our faults so that we can have light. That light is fire, is energy, is force. We have no light, no fire, no force the lamp is dark, we can't see the path. And if we're serious about this work, we can learn to save enough energy so that we awaken what is known as kundalini, which rises up the staff of our spine, symbolized in this ninth arcanum. And of course, that has to do with the work with energy, which we're gonna be talking more explicitly in our forthcoming lectures. So if you want an initiation, write it upon a staff, says some island VR, in the perfect match money. Whosoever has understanding, let him understand, because there is wisdom within. Initiation is when we are working ethically upon ourselves so that that force, the kundalini, can rise from the spine to the mind to the heart. That path was sought by Jesus, It is known as the second birth. He said, Verily I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must be born again of water and spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. People typically think this has to do with belief, that if I believe in Jesus, if I get physically baptized, I entered the kingdom of heaven. I'm initiated. But his teaching was very much more secretive. He never publicly taught the meaning of that verse. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, meaning physical birth is born and predicated on the sexual act in the common, ordinary way. But that which is born of the spirit, through the same sexual act transformed, is spirit. This is known in the East as Tantra, sacred alchemy, the practice between husband and wife in order to conserve their vital forces and to elevate them. When that sexual energy is conserved, it's transformed. We give birth to the fire of the Holy Ghost in the spine that rises. and gives birth spiritually. If people engage in the sexual act that is commonly known, You give birth to a physical child. But through specific procedures, by conserving the waters of baptism, that energy rises up to our mind and coronates us so that we can receive Christ, the energy, which is born through birth. Nobody is born through theory, through belief. Everyone is born in this world through sex. And so when we learn to use that energy in a spiritual way, we enter initiation which is why Island Vior wrote in The Major Mysteries, Every initiation is a spiritual birth. Whosoever wants to be born has to enter into the feminine womb in order to be gestated. Thus, this is how the right to be born is acquired by the one who wants to be born. Initiation is totally sexual. Thus, if we want to be born, we need to practice sexual magic with our spouse. Sexual magic, or alchemy, refers to, again, Teachings given in Buddhism, in the highest levels of practice. Here we see Padmasambhava with his consort, Yeshe Soigal, where he is depicted in the sexual act with his wife. And many people become confused by this because they say, how is it that this Buddhist master says you have to renounce lust, and yet he's having sex with his wife? And this is clarified very simply by his statement, lustful people do not enter the path of liberation. So the reality is, the answer is, he was having sexual connection with his wife, but without lust, without ego, without desire, without animality. Instead, he learned to use the sexual act with love. With chastity. People think this term chastity has to do with not having sex or being absent in an abstention. Chastity simply means purity, immaculate. It means to not emit the sexual seed, which is why Yeshe Soigal said, practice to perfection the skill of retaining your seed essence, the seminal matter, because that life force, if it's expelled, is wasted either through giving birth to a child or through animal pleasure. Instead, if you conserve that seed, you can let it germinate into spiritual powers, clairvoyance, telepathy, clairaudience, astral travel, jinn experiences. That seed power, which can give birth to a child, is the power of God. And if you conserve that force and transform it, you give birth to the soul. And so one must learn to use that force without lust. So in the beginning, male, female, husband and wife are obviously going to struggle because, of course, in us, we have a lot of lust, a lot of desire. But the beginning of initiation is based on this principle, renounce desire, renounce lust, renounce the animal spasm, the orgasm. That is known as the original sin in the Bible. Adam and Eve were in the garden, when a snake came by and told Eve, eat this apple because it'll make you like a god. Eve ate, tempted Adam, they fell, and they were kicked out of the garden by God. People read this story literally. It's a symbol. What else is that a symbol of a naked man and a naked woman in a garden? Tempted by a snake, which is, of course, the serpent but inverted. So that is the tempting serpent or lust or desire, which pulls people down into suffering. And of course, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, the sexual energy in the wrong way, they were kicked out. But of course, if we want to re-enter the Garden of Eden, we have to learn to conserve the energies, primarily because the word for Eden in Hebrew means bliss or voluptuousness, it can refer to sexuality. What is the sword mentioned in the great myths of the heroes? It is the kundalini. It is the sword of the heroes. It is the fire of the Holy Ghost that rises victoriously from the base chakra Muladhara to the mind. Sambalanver mentioned in Tarot Kabbalah: without woman, no initiate can receive the sword, or no male initiate, because every man is a priest, every woman is a priestess. Together they work in the greatest priesthood, which is alchemy. Male, female positive-negative, moon-sun. Together, they work to to transform these energies represented by Adam-Eve, solar-lunar. These physical polarities are necessary because together they form the serpent, the sword. Moses raised a brazen serpent upon a staff in the wilderness made of the amalgamation of copper and tin, to use metallurgical science, metallurgical terminology. Copper is Venus, woman, the feminine. Tin is Jupiter, masculine, the male. Together you form the bronze serpent, which rises upon the spine, to the mind, to the heart. Together, man and woman in matrimony can enter initiation. But of course, matrimony does not have to do with paperwork. It doesn't have to do with going to the judge down the circuit court and then filing for a marriage, saying, I want to marry this person. It's paperwork. It has nothing to do with the reality of the couple. Real marriage is between man and woman when they sexually connect. That is the only thing that God judges because sexual connection is a marriage. It is religion, relegare, to reunite Adam and Eve, those principles, before they fell. So together they enter back into bliss. And the way that we do so is by studying the tradition of alchemy, which we'll be explaining progressively in this course. We have an image here of vitriol, a teaching about this precise science. Salman Vera mentions that in order to enter initiation, we have to work with this energy known as the stone of the Masons. So we mentioned previously about Patar, Peter, the church or the rock upon which the Gnostic church is founded. That is a symbol of Kabbalah, and Kabbalah, we refer to in this Jewish mystical teaching, the stone upon which we base ourselves. That stone is known as uh, vitriol among the alchemists. It is known as the Kaba amongst the Muslims, the blackened stone of our sexual energy that must be purified. So in that doctrine, which has a physical component and an esoteric component, represents these truths. We have to learn to pray towards Mecca, where the stone is, meaning work with that energy. So here we're mentioning something that not a lot of people understand spiritually because those teachings were lost. That stone is the creative force. And even in terms of slang, we find that a person's stones has to do with their sexual organs either the testicles or the ovaries. and As the gospel or the Old Testament states, he who is wounded in the stones or has his privy member cut off should not inherit the kingdom of God because that energy is fundamental. That is how we build our church, build our spirit. That is how we create. Vitriol is one of the clues of the Gnostic alchemist. The word signifies... Visitam interiorem tere rectificatum in occultum lapidum. Visit the interior of the earth, which through rectifying, you will find the occult stone. What is the earth in Kabbalah? Our body. Our physical body is the earth, which has all the elements inside. Fire, air, water, Earth. All those forces are necessary for our development. Fire relates to our emotions. Air to our mind. Waters to our seminal sexual force. And the earth is the well that contains all of it. We have to visit the interior of the earth, meaning meditate. Go into yourself. Examine how the sexual energy works in a spiritual way. And through practices, we learn to enter initiation. We have to first work with the stone so that we can open the doors for ourselves of the path. What's interesting, too, is that amongst these symbols, you find the seven planets. And the stone relating to corpus, there's an arrow pointing down towards this figure. It has the letter of Saturn represented there. Saturn, astrologically speaking, relates with death. It means death of desire the death of animality if you wish to work with your stone we have to remove the impurities so that we can give birth as we see in this image on the top left to anima the soul and on the top right spiritus the spirit and when we work more on our faults our defects we enter the actual path And we have to face certain trials and ordeals. In this next slide, we see an image of the guardian of the threshold, which is mentioned many times in the writings of Rudolf Steiner. Many other initiates talk about this ordeal. Saval and Vior spend a lot more time explaining these things in a very clear way. Some of the other authors were a little bit more ambiguous. So if we're very serious about entering the path, we will face a certain trial. It has nothing to do with having attended a lecture, but more so internally, we're practicing, we're working with the creative energy, we're meditating, trying to work on our egos, our faults. This experience is internal, where when your physical body is asleep, you may be awakened in the astral plane in which you have to face yourself. This guardian is a representation of you. It represents all of your defects from this life and all your past lives. So this figure usually takes on a demonic figure, very monstrous, huge, because our defects are very great. This guardian is of the threshold because that is the threshold of entering the mysteries. If we wish to really advance towards the light, we have to face our own darkness. And personally, if I'm telling you about this, is because I remember facing my guardian, huge monster very hideous and I had to keep invoking and invoking again and again because I kept failing and I felt so much pain not being able to face this def- this monster in myself because I desperately did not want to fail and personally in my case it was very severe because I was told internally that the White Lodge would end my life if I didn't succeed because my karma was very severe I was, at the time, physically very sick. I was actually hospitalized. And I later found out from medical reports afterward that I could have died. And I was told during that time internally, if you do not face yourself now, it'll be over for you. And you'll go down. And so I had to fight again and again and again. And the time that I succeeded was when I told myself, I will have no fear. I will not be afraid of myself. And then I decided, so be it. Locked hand in hand with this monster, conjured it, and defeated it. And I remember at that time, there were a group of black magicians, sorcerers of the evil path, who were watching the whole time to see what my fate would be. And they looked at me with horror, because light of Christ was in me. And I said unto them, It could be done. And I looked at them because they were afraid. And I told them that you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to run away from yourself. Because those demons, they feed the guardian of the threshold. They worship it. It is their fears, their anger, and all of their faults. And when they saw that I had completely renounced that at that level, they were scared. But of course, that was one ordeal. In the path, you face many ordeals. But when you succeed in facing certain ordeals internally, the angels welcome you. And I remember uh, being helped by certain Kerubim masters who were very happy and celebrated my achievements internally. And this is why we have this image of these angels represented there. Because when you conquer ordeals internally, they appear to you in the form of children. He who is like little children shall, only those who are like little children shall enter the kingdom of God. Meaning to have the mind and simplicity of an infant. Doesn't mean to be stupid or to be ignorant, but to be pure. And so we also face the four ordeals of the elements fire, air, water, and earth, which we'll be talking separately, giving a lecture on each element, I believe, in around July. What is the ordeals of the fire has to do with criticism. Somebody or people in our life speak ill about us. We feel heat, pressure. We feel that we are burning. We are being provoked to act negatively with resentment, anger, sarcasm. But in order to conquer the ordeal of fire, we have to be sweet, kind, compassionate. To really not identify with their criticism, but to respond with love. Doesn't mean that we pretend to be kind, but to really do it. Very difficult. But if you transform the fire of that situation, you reach equanimity, calm. And personally, I work at a job in which I get a lot of fire. It's a good element to work with, in which I have clients that are very difficult to work with, very troublesome who, Constantly may criticize, and so they've really given me a blessing, taught me to respond with love. And when I've worked and acted kindly towards my clients, dissipates everything, transforms the situation. We also have the ordeals of the air. Relating to the mind. You know the saying when we're up in the air has to do with financial situations, Maybe we feel like we've lost we lost a job, or reached a crisis in our life in which we don't know where to go. We're literally feel like we're falling in life. We don't know where we're gonna land. It has to do with mobility. The virtue of this element is mobility. To be able to move. To adapt. To know how to control our own fears. The air of the mind that always thinks, "How am I gonna pay my bills?" How am I going to live? What am I going to do? Likewise, we have the ordeal of water relating to fluidity. Sometimes in life, we feel that we're drowning. Again, it can relate to finances, to problems, conflicts, where we're in a big storm, the water's pulling us down, and we have to learn to swim against the current. We feel our depression wants to pull us in. To give up but if we swim against the current do what no one else does and be heroic we end up on top so the virtue of water has to do with we could say confidence strength to swim against the waters that are seeking to pull us down into the whirlpool and lastly the earth In life, it may feel like we have a mountain collapsing on us. We're being crushed. The situation is, and our life is fearful. We feel that we're being buried beneath rock and that we can't escape the situation. If we cry out in fear, we fail. But if we show constancy, stability, confidence, we succeed. And so these elements not only relate to our physical life, but even internally. You may have those ordeals in the astral plane. We get tested in the physical world, but also in the internal planes as we enter initiation. I remember one time I woke up in the astral plane, and I found myself lying on my back in the dark in some room. I knew I was awake, and then I suddenly heard a lot of voices around me laughing. And so at that time, I knew this was a test. And I was really happy about it. Because I knew that the beings around me were angels, but they were secretly testing me. And I heard them laughing and mocking me, calling me names, criticizing me, slapping me, pouring water on me, doing all sorts of things. I even had the funny part was, I even had one of them sat on my head and farted on my head, trying to get me to react. And I felt my ego at the time was trying to come out and was getting really angry, but I knew. I'm not going to act on my anger because I know this is an ordeal and that they're helping me to show me my ego, to work on it. And after I conquered the ordeal, the lights turned on and a group of these angels from the previous graphic, like Cherubim, celebrated. They all cheered. And I remember looking in their eyes and seeing the beauty of heaven there, the purity of soul. They invited me into their children's chamber where they taught me many things. And so that was a great victory But to reach those celebrations, we have to work with the elements. Conquer fire, our anger. Conquer the air, our thoughts. Conquer the water, our creative energy. And conquer the earth, our physical life. This is how we work with this science, which is synthesized in the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. The tree of life is a beautiful glyph, known as the Kabbalah, the Jewish mysticism, which relates to the body. This tree of life is a map of consciousness. It is made up of three trinities, above, middle, and below, followed by a separate sphere known as Malkut, which is the physical world. It is a diagram of the soul, from the highest levels of divine expression to the most dense, at the top, we find Keter, Chokmah, Bina, which are energies of God, known as in Christianity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, known in Egypt as Osiris, Orus, Isis, amongst the Nordics, Voltan, Baldur, Thor, or in Buddhism, we yeah, have Nirmanakaya, Bina. Savokokokaya, Chokmah, and Dharmakaya, Keter. All these religions are synthesized by this glyph. We can interpret any tradition based on this diagram because it's a map of the soul, and all religions have the same roots. So we use the Jewish mysticism to interpret these scriptures, but also to understand our meditative experiences. We also have Chesed our inner God, the spirit, Geburah, the divine soul, Neshama, Tiferet, the human soul, the heart, which is where we determine everything. So as we spoke about will willpower, the will of the initiate, it is based on the qualities of our heart. So if you take this image and map it on yourself, we find this represented. The qualities of our heart determine initiation. It is how we enter the path because these five sephiroth or spheres of God above, these emanations, because the word sephiroth means emanations, jewels or qualities of God, these represent the most divine in us. But below Tifereth, we have netzach, the mind, hod, the emotions, yesod, our sexual energy. And likewise, malkut, the physical body. These lower spheres, these four lower sephiroth, are what are infiltrated by ego, which we have to purify. It's interesting also that yesod on this glyph relates to the sexual organs. It is the secret science. In Hebrew, yesod means foundation. It is the stone, the basis upon which we build our temple to God. Interestingly enough, you take the Hebrew letters of yesod and reverse them. Take this letter yod, put it at the end, spell Sodi, which means secret. It is the path that has never been taught openly until as recently as 1950 in the writings of Sama and Vior, which he states in The Major Mysteries. The tree of life is represented in our physical body by the spinal column. And the tree of knowledge is represented by our sexual organs. These trees of Eden even share their roots. So we study these two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge, in order to understand the path itself, but more importantly, to walk it. This tree of knowledge is known as da'at, knowledge, alchemy. Amongst the Sufis and Muslims, it is marifah. Amongst the Greeks, it is gnosis. So I invite you to ask questions about anything we've discussed. Yes? You talked about uh, Kundalini awakening at one point. uh, How common would you say is that in a domestic world? Well, for those who are really serious about chastity and purity, they do it. You know, but... uh, I know many people who are working seriously. Internally, I've investigated them and verified their level. So yes, there are many people who are doing it. But commonly, what people talk about kundalini awakening is a variety, could be a variety of things, two primarily. There are people who know the doctrine, who know about transmutation, chastity whether they're Gnostic or not, they may be working with the creative energy, conserving it, because in many schools of yoga and Buddhism, they teach you, don't lose your energy. They may be practicing pranayama, such as in the teachings of Shivananda, who's a great master of yoga and Hinduism. And they can be awakening sparks. Through breath work, they are beginning to flame the coals and their spinal column, so to speak. So they may have sparks of light which emerge that rise up the spine, and give them spiritual experiences. Personally, before I was married, I remember years ago, I would, since being in this teaching, practice pranayama very diligently. And I remember having many very powerful samadhis, spiritual experiences, because of working individually with that force. But, you know, when being married, finally, there's more fire available, more energy available, you know. That energy is more consistent but there are people who can awaken the, those experiences through pranayama, which is breath work. Controlling your breath is known as interchangeable nostril breathing. You close one nostril, inhale through the left, close. Send the energy, the prana or life force to your cossacks. Exhale through the other nostril. Send that energy to your mind, to your heart. Then do the same thing with your other nostril. Right, close, exhale to the left. And so you can have many experiences like that. But people who don't study confuse their pranayama as a single practitioner with kundalini awakening. It's true that you can only have experiences when the kundalini is awakened. But is that a spark? Or is it a sun? Because when working individually, you can have sparks of fire. But if you're married, it's like having the power of a sun. S-U-N. And so I I know many people, whether single or married who have experiences but only those who are working in a matrimony can awaken the kundalini because she is the power of durga in hinduism kali miriam mary she is the divine mother of mother of jesus and when we talk about the birth of jesus he was born through an immaculate conception but does not mean that mary just believed and was impregnated by the holy ghost through theory in fact, Jesus, the spiritual son, is born in an immaculate conception, meaning to conceive without orgasm, to be pure, because you can't create without sex. So if you want to create the Christ child in you, you have to be married. So this is what Jesus taught. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You need both polarities. What about
2: people who claim to have a sudden pre-
1: a variety of things some people genuinely because they are practicing pranayama they have the experiences there are people who may just start to study these type of teachings and because they start to have some kind of internal dreams or experiences that they don't decipher or comprehend attribute it to kundalini and sadly i know a lot of people too and my wife and i have worked with many people who are mentally ill who attribute you know spiritual experiences with Kundalini when you know their life and their character demonstrate that they're ill, unfortunately. And this is why in initiation we're very rigorous, we're very demanding. Initiation is born and founded upon ethics, qualities of purity of mind, balance. If we're imbalanced, that light cannot be generated. But also too, people have those type attribute those experiences to Kundalini because. They may be working with meditation and spiritual practices, but they're not working with chastity, and therefore, because they're expelling their energies and trying to meditate, they're damaging themselves, and they start to awaken powers in the ego, which is initiations of the black path.
2: So, what about people who think they're working with uh, kundalini, but really they're not? They're not chaste. They're having experiences. Is that?
1: Yeah, people who are having experiences, but they're fornicating. So if it's not kundalini, then what is it? This is going to be, uh, it's the inverted serpent. You can have powers in the superior serpent, kundalini, or kundabuffer, tale of the demons. So initiation is written upon a staff. It either ascends or descends. If we conserve the sexual energy, it'll rise up the spine as the brazen serpent of victory. But if we give in to fornication and lust. Expelling those forces, feeding desire, it becomes the fallen serpent that tempted Adam and Eve. It is the seraphim that the fiery serpents that bit the Israelites in the wilderness when they betrayed Jehovah. And so that's when Moses stepped in to save them and said, "I will." You know, told, he told Moses, "Raise a serpent upon a staff, so whoever looks upon it will be healed." It's a symbol, and the Israelites are a representation of the soul. Isis, Ra, El. Isis, the Divine Mother. Ra, Osiris, Ra, the Christ. And El, the Spirit. It's all Kabbalistic. And when you work with the brazen serpent, you heal your soul.
3: And so you can only come to this kind of knowledge through hermetics,
1: in terms of... Uh...
3: In, in... Well, okay, so everything is a process, or so on and so on. And if everything is a process, then you have to get through the physical self in order to get to the point where spirituality or the Christ spirit can be born within you. So... Can you do that by way of working your way through organized religion and then coming through it?
1: Oh, yes. There are many people who've entered.
3: Because I was getting ready to take my child, get up and walk away, because I know all this stuff. I've touched upon all this stuff. I've experienced all this stuff. Did not know that that woman... Was who you said she was. She was always there. She would, you know, let it introduce me. I would know that something was coming up because she would be there. The one with the sword, you know. Oh, not now. I got other things to do. Really don't have time for this one, you know. So I would know at times for years. She was always around. She was always around. Um, I was always being told I was too loud when I when you call it the astral plane. See, I it never occurred to me that I was up on the astral plane when I would be, you know, you know, somebody better talk to me right now and tell me what's going on, that kind of thing. Because things in my life would be so intense. But for you to tell me that I could get to this through the many, 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 many sufferings um, and rejections of religion and Constantly taking off one snake skin. Yeah. For lack of a better word. Yes. Taking off one snake skin and one snake skin, and then being told that, um, yeah, you got to get through this, 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 and this. There's no way you can do that in one lifetime. No. And then to get through it. Yeah. And then to be told, well, no, you're only start. Okay. We need to get through all of that muck and mire yeah before we could get you here yeah. so for you to tell me that uh lets me know that i, I
2: am on the i guess maybe right there it's about what's like yeah. within you know so not the creed that we follow but what you are talking about well but exactly i've done this
3: on my own Exactly. I'm 66. It. yeah i've been doing this on my own all these years because I was no, it's got to be real, something's got to be real, everything in life can be a lie, so I'm going to take this and focus on this. But that's not really what I was doing, I was just, I was being allowed to announce to myself that this is the path you're on, you're going to stay on this path, no matter what, and if you try to get off, we're going to slice you in two. Yes. And that's pretty much happening, that's what the suffering is stuff yes. is about. Because I was, no, 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 please let me off. I want to be great. I want to be wonderful. No, no, you're not going to be any of
1: them. You are going to grow spiritually. Yes. And some and VR mentions that there are many people who not attending any group, any religious institution, no, not following don't any creed. This who, uh, will accept it. And those people who uh, actually are closer to initiation than many people who say they are holy so to speak.
3: Well, okay, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't go there. I, I certainly don't know what to do with that, but I have done. I just came through an, an initiation that maybe, oh my God, my me and Lori live alone. I'm going to die. Will she be able to take care of herself? Have I given her everything? To, that's right. how bad the initiation was. That I was, oh my God, I'm going to die.
1: I'm not going to make it through this one, you know. But yes. I did.
3: But it was very long. It was like. Maybe three, four years.
1: Yeah. And as we'll talk about in the future lectures, there are initiations of minor mysteries and there are initiations of major mysteries. There are many people who enter the minor mysteries who are working with the energies of sex who don't have experiences internally about it. They may be asleep, consciously speaking, and maybe entering the minor mysteries and working at that level. To enter the major mysteries, the highest initiations, is a work of alchemy. It involves a certain type of telesis or will. But yes, obviously there are many people who enter through life and enter the path seemingly without knowing it. You know, they don't necessarily have those astral experiences where in dreams they're face to face and having those that direct communication. But the purpose of our studies is to be specific. So while in the beginning we have a certain level of faith, we want to develop even further. We want to be able to have that face-to-face conversation with the master of the White Lodge in dreams, awake, so that we have even more knowledge. But of course, level upon level, light upon light, says the Quran, degree upon degree. There are levels of initiation, there are, beginners of, there are beginning levels of initiation, there's mastery, and then there's even higher, perfection in mastery, like Jesus, Buddha, and all of them. So there are levels and degrees, and it's good to know
3: somebody stepped in front of me at the age of 66 and said, no, no. You can't talk to these. I am <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, and, and that's how I get through life. I had no one I could talk to. So I had to, you know, somebody need to teach me how to have humor because I ain't going to get through this. And they did. They, they gave me a sense of humor, I really yes. believe. I mean, she hates it. So it must <laughs> it works for me. And she has a disability and says, mom, let it go, okay, cut it out. So most people don't understand that. And so for you to tell me that yes, you can get to that point, I never thought I, that. I, I mean, that never entered into my mind. Um, I remember what maybe 25 years ago being, exposed to Samuel Weir initially uh, through Gurchick you know, yeah, through Gertrude, you know, and him saying, you know, you're a lazy human being, wake the heck up, okay, kind of thing, okay, okay, and then that led me to Samuel Weir, but that was just too advanced for me, so, okay, I'm going to read a little bit, and then I'm going to sit it down, because barely brain ache that far. And then now after all that time, after I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight initiations, I can understand exactly what you're saying there. There's no secret there, the the pistis of Sophia. Yeah. I've had that, you know, I've entered that. I understand that. But for you to say that you can see Jesus face-to-face,
1: again, it never occurred to me that that would ever, ever be possible. Yeah, and if you enter higher degrees of initiation, you can speak to him, because I've personally been with him in the astral plane, and he is uh, the highest initiate we know of, and personally, he gave me some teachings that were very profound. I won't relate them here, but uh, definitely, when you have that awakened consciousness, you can have greater access to real knowledge, because the Master Samalan Vior says that a real occultist is someone who knows how to travel on the astral body in the dream state. Because that way, we find the occult wisdom, the hidden wisdom.
3: Real.
1: I've never heard of this group, but I'm going to see what's happening. We'll yes. see where i supposed to be. Yes. Scary. Yes. Any other questions? Yes.
2: On the topic of transmutation of sexual energy, um,
1: get the benefit of it and you talk about it in relation to kundalini How would you, how would you say we should approach it? In the sense of, sometimes you're saying that seed energy. Sometimes maybe you are supposed to expel it. Like, what's the balance there? I can't imagine you would say you should just never ejaculate. Yeah, and the, for what initiations we say never? Never, because as Yoshe Soigal said, we must always perfect. The practice of retaining the seed essence. And of course, in the beginning, it's difficult because through this lifetime or even previous lifetimes, we've been forcing our mind and used to that act. And so we've always been out of Eden, exiled. But to enter the straight and narrow gate is precisely when husband and wife unite the straight path mentioned by Jesus, the narrow way, physically, even relating to sexual copulation, but also. Psychologically, the type of work is needed. And in the beginning, it's difficult because the mind is full of lust. The body is trained to expel. But with training, you never lose any energy. And personally, this has been my path. I've, I don't lose my energy even while practicing alchemy because I've trained myself to that degree never to lose it. Now, interestingly enough, there are ways to conceive a child without orgasm. It's partly allegorized in the birth of Jesus, you know, the Immaculate Conception. But of course, people think that myth is silly because they think it has to do with Mary didn't have sex with a man, and then she gave birth to a child. And that's the conventional belief of that story. But really, the truth is that Joseph and Mary were alchemists. And we have procedures where if a Gnostic couple wants to have a child, they can perform certain prayers and practices while conserving their energy because only one sperm is needed to procreate it's not necessary to expel millions of sperm for that conception and so it's a very more prof- it's a more profound form of conception because what the holy spirit does the the conceiver of christ intelligence takes one seed in order to create a superior child because a child born from fornication obviously has many problems physically. I mean, that's why in most people their bodies get sick. They may have certain conditions or ailments, but the Holy Spirit, which is the force of intelligence, is the force of our inner God that can take one sperm and through prayer and intelligence and wise copulation, take that energy, create one child. Because they like fornication. The doctors. Most people have never been initiated in this science, so they don't know any better. And unfortunately, when you do try to introduce, I've known people try to introduce the science to doctors. Many people can be very skeptical, and they, they laugh at it. Because they have a materialistic mind. But I do know other doctors and people we in our tradition who have learned the benefits of this practice because, Transmutation promotes our health. There are even some scientific studies that show how transmutation or alchemy, as we teach, promotes health, life, longevity, the health of our endocrine system, the health of our emotional center, our heart, and the mind. And it's well known that the greatest artists, philosophers, and teachers were, were traditionally known as celibates, but they actually knew alchemy. They kept that life private because people would criticize. Beethoven, Mozart, you know, Beethoven was known to be single for, you know, pretty much his whole life, but he had an amazing brain because he had parts of his mind active from working with that energy that people couldn't explain, but he was an alchemist. He knew the science, but, uh, so do women lose yes, women can lose their energy too because... Orgasm, whether from male or female, emits the seed. Women can lose their seminal waters, which is semen. Now, and men too. Semen in esoteric language has to do with not only just the physical matter, but the force. So, either men or women can lose their seed with the conservative. Because that's the waters that we transform into our baptism. But that requires that we renounce the adversary, shaitan our ego, the lust that says, I enjoy engaging in sex in this way. And this is the meaning of Judas in the Bible. Judas is a symbol of an ego that we have. Loves religion, loves spirituality, loves Christ, but loves fornication more. So we may believe that we're spiritual and that we love divinity and all these things, but our actions prove otherwise. If we give in to fornication and we enjoy emitting the energies, then we have no water by which we can baptize ourselves. So Judas represents that. He betrays Christ, gives away the Lord for 30 pieces of silver, a symbol of pleasure. For a few moments, or like Esau in the Bible, Esau traded his birthright for a bowl of lentils. Same symbol. So it's very strict, obviously, but this is the way You need energy, water to baptize yourself. And I promise you that if you're serious about it, you will find the benefits of it. And naturally, have more energy, more vitality, more enthusiasm. You have the energy by which you empower your virtue, your compassion, your happiness. Less anger, less violent emotions or whatnot. I've known people in this science who even suffered mental illness and yet who by practicing alchemy were rejuvenated. No longer sick. So it is the healing power of the Holy Spirit. It is the creative force of God. Swami Shivananda wrote in his one of his books about the benefits of pranayama, and even we could say synonymously alchemy. Skin is lighter or more rejuvenated, more vitality, more health, etc. Suppleness, strength, everything. Because that energy, that matter, is transformed into force. And when it goes up the spine through those energetic channels, known as the caduceus of mercury in medicine, it fills the brain, rejuvenates the endocrine system, heals the heart, everything, empowers us. So we need those energies if we want to awaken spiritually. Any other questions? Yes. Uh, just as a single person, would you recommend a specific practice? I know there's multiple You got to experiment and find the ones that work for you. I mean, we have an abundance of practices for transmutation in the Yellow Book, Kundalini Yoga, and others. But you can work with one that's very easy to work with is hamsa. You know, hamsa is you inhale through your nostrils. First, you pray to your inner divinity, your Divine Mother, please awaken my consciousness. Help me to work with this force. Inhale through your nostrils, and you imagine that there is light Ascending from your sexual glands up the spine to the channels of your, cus- um, from your back, which are known as Adam, Eve, old and Old, Ida, Pingala, in different traditions. Imagine that light saturating the brain, and as you're inhaling with the breath, you pronounce mentally the mantra in the mind. The breath should be more prolonged with the inhalation because you're raising the energies of sex to your mind. And then imagine that light going to your heart. Very brief, quick exhalation. This is because your breath relates with your sexual energy. In the Bible, the Spirit of God, the wind of God hovered above the face of the waters in order to create the planet from the fathomless abyss a symbol of working with this force. You create your spiritual earth through your stone, the sexual force. And also likewise, you uh, imagine that circulation in yourself. That's how it should sound like externally. But mentally, the mantra hum takes a force up to your brain, saturates it. Very easy practice. You can even practice that if you're married. Or in a practicing alchemy, but that's a very good practice you can initiate with. Uh, I'm just curious. So you mentioned you have to reach the status of being able to talk to Jesus. Um, so if a person that is not religious, and if he reaches that status, what well, he will see? Well, personally, I remember when I had talked with him that uh, for a long time I was atheist. I was a very pessimistic, morbid person, very sad. Felt like I had no meaning to my life. Uh, when eventually, when I met him, he was in the astral plane. He came to me because I invoked him. And uh, at least the symbol that he gave to me was very beautiful. I mean, he saw me, obviously. I was. Uh, what he saw in me was my own ego. And he was trying to show me how to get out. And I remember that experience. It was, uh, I was outside my house. It was a very dark night, cloudy sky, which, of course, your dreams are symbolic. So darkness or cloudiness, it represents the mind, the cloudiness of the ego that obscures the light of God in you. So I invoked him, begging him, please teach me. I remember he came up to me, and the way that he was described in one of Salman Vira's books in uh, Revolution of Beelzebub, I saw him exactly like that. So if you read that book, I mean, that's how he appeared to me, and... I remember at that moment, I was watching him being filled with with fear. Obviously, he's a great being. And suddenly, he gave me a super conscious experience. He gave me light. I saw myself in third person. He took my vision and expanded it. And I was standing on the lawn of my house, and he just shot up as a beam of light into the sky. And the clouds parted. And I saw in the atmosphere... Beautiful stars, a galaxy, and he just vanished. And I just stood up, looking at him like this, and then I woke up. And he was teaching me that you want to be like me with freedom, going beyond to the infinite. You have to clear your mind, clear your ego, and I was very humbled by then. And uh, but yeah, he's he's a very difficult to comprehend. He's a level of master that is so high that not even the gods understand him because he's gone beyond even an angel. So there's hierarchies and hierarchies and levels. Yes? Can
2: I make a comment? So there are many, many masters, some of whom work anonymously or have worked anonymously on earth. So we can meet a master internally and and not even realize it. The case for many people who are not religious is often... um, you know that they'll be receiving some kind of guidance in particular the divine mother interesting you mentioned her has the ability to take on a variety of forms in my experiences i've seen my divine mother in different forms and she will take different aspects when she appears to you in order to teach you something masters as well can appear to you as a symbol like a butterfly or, or something when you invoke them because they are teaching you something in the way that they Uh, can appear to you. So regardless what religious tradition we come from or if we don't come from any religious tradition, we can sense in our heart the, the power and the purity of that master. We can understand that guidance even if the form that they take is unknown to us or we don't recognize them for who they are. Sometimes they will show themselves in a form we can recognize, of course, so that we will understand and, you know, develop that relationship, but God, God itself is formless, and many different beings have worked to purify themselves to become vehicles in which the light of God can express. But the light of God itself is, is beyond form. So I feel, um, you know, that many people will experience what they call their inner voice, their conscience, and many times that's a manifestation of our Divine Mother always
0: present
1: with us at any time. Yes. Any other questions or comments? Uh, just one more comment. I, um, I had one experience where it was when I was first working with transportation when I was younger. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if it's see a divine figure or something. But I was walking down the road. It was like a state park or something. And it was just a, a man with a very well trimmed beard button I'm sure. I was sitting there blaming the system for my problems. I'm like, this and this that. It's like, you just need the light now. And then, you know, you hit me on the shoulder. So I guess just what I learned from that experience is that we have help and we have brotherhood. So, you know, this path isn't so lonely and miserable. So it has to be the whole point of being called to service is so that we can grow and find truth together. So it just, it's just a small experience. I So we never know. It doesn't have to be Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to be this magnificent experience you could just be walking through a park. Yeah. And also, yes, and also too, uh, Salman Vera mentions that the greatest joy of the Gnostic is the discovery of one of his or her defects. Because a discovered defect is a dead defect. Which is why in this course we'll be talking about how to practice that self-observation, comprehension, elimination. The work on the ego. Because when you brand the ego eliminate those faults you free light and in that way we uh, enter initiation thank you for coming